Welcome to the Red Hand Podcast, Ulster with a bonus point win. It's nice getting to say that two weeks in a row. The win at the weekend means that Ulster have their sights set on second place in the URC table. Ulster currently sit third, five points behind the Stormers, but the last three games are all at home, where Stormers have to travel to face unbeaten Leinster in the next round. Finishing in the top two is, of course, the goal. It secures home advantage right through to the semi-finals of the URC playoffs. Anyway, on to the game itself. Ulster, if you didn't see the game, Ulster ran in six tries in total. We saw Tom Stewart barge over for two of his classic line-out mall tries. Doak and Burns both scored and had blinders of, uh, of games, and we'll talk about them in a moment. Stuart Moore combined really well again, and I thought both uh, Hume and Moore were very good in centre. He got a try as well as Stockdale, who pulled off his patented stock chip uh, style try, which is good to see a man playing with confidence again. So a good win against a side who are going through a really tough period, and it's also a tough period for Welsh rugby. Aggressive pay cuts and the stuff going on in the background couldn't have helped their cause. And to be fair, they weren't really at the races. But Ulster, uh, but are Ulster on back on track, or did they simply beat a team in turmoil? To discuss the game and all things Ulster rugby, uh, I'm joined by Jack, Simon, and Nathan. So, Jack, uh, turn to you first, uh, and it's become sort of your role to give the uh, decisive view in the game <laughs> to kick us off. But for for anyone who didn't see the game or wasn't able to watch it fully, how would you describe that one? Uh, yeah okay uh give him a give him a shot um well yeah so i was um i was actually at the game so um i had a i had a nice little uh view uh viewing of the of the whole thing so that was that was quite a, a nice experience not having to watch it at home so um but really really excellent um from an ulster point of view the first 20 25 minutes was almost you know ireland-esque really you know with a quick start with you know a try within i think it was i think it was with Within the first two minutes, um, you know, Stuart Moore goes over and, you know, we quickly get into um, some really good reps uh, of of just sort of phase play, which was which was excellent. And Doki and Burns just looked like they were just absolutely sort of humming, looking looking really good. So it was all it was all very, very good, really, um, for the first for the first half. The only slight annoyance was the two sort of occasions where we had opportunities to score the bonus point for half time. So that would have made well definitely made me a little bit nervous watching it um at half time thinking, well, well, Cardiff get their tails up that it could be tricky. But they came out, got the got the Billy Burns try just after half time, uh, which was the bonus point. And then we scored again um with Tom Stewart getting another one. And then he got his second um a bit a little bit later on. But there was a little nervy period when, you know, Cardiff scored a couple of quick tries and it kind of felt like, oh, here we go again. Ulster are going to uh, capitulate or at least make it a bit more interesting. But they they did well. They they sort of um, consolidated things and uh, and managed to sort of stretch out fairly comfortably in the end. So it was great to see just the guys carrying on and... Um, and making a good, you know, having a, getting a good win because it was, you know, it was about twenty points to thirty-five at one point. You just thought, you know, if Cardiff gets the next one, they could be, they could be within touch and distance. Could be a bit nervous, but full credit to the guys. They did, they did really well. So a really kind of comfortable win in the end. So um, we haven't been able to say that for um, 
a little while. So um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's great to great to get a win. Uh, yeah, it'll do our hearts good. You know, often to to watch a game which is on a knife edge as we go into the the last twenty minutes. So um, yeah, no, pr- pretty happy with that. As we say, look, it's. Um, it's it's difficult to know, I suppose, against uh, a team who are not maybe at their strongest at the minute. Um, but Simon, I'll turn to you now. And from a fan's perspective, how encouraging was that performance? Do you get the sense Ulster are building the peak at the business end of the season? Or as I sort of alluding to there, is this just a comfortable win over a team who are going through a really tough patch? Um another another difficult question, Peter. Um I think you have to look at the block of three games together. So probably looking back in the Glasgow game a few weeks out from it, uh, emotion detached from it. The, the weather played a big part, I think, in how we played that day. Um, so yeah, it was, it, our attack was quite limited against the Sharks last week. I, I, I actually thought that was probably our best performance of the season, especially given the guys away in Ireland and you know the, the fact that there was a squad picked in mind with with Cardiff this week. So I would say we're trending upwards. Um, I think the biggest thing I took from that game was our forwards contact, footwork in the contact. Um, Treadwell was a prime example of it, but even Sam Carter, I think on the first try, he had a lovely pass back inside to Hume, who then popped it through to Moore. Um, on the third try, uh, Jeff Tumagal in the game with like a really, really good line. And I actually hope he'd get over himself. I know, I know Doak sniped in the end. There was no guard set. Um, but, and then as, as Jack alluded to, I think there was one point where we really should have got the fourth try before halftime. So Shirtmer picks up a bouncing ball, um, goes Herring, Tamaga Allen, Carter, Burns finds his way to the five meter line and then it rocks back to the other side of the post. Carter gets done for sealing over. So I think I think in terms of what was most pleasing for me, I think it was definitely the forwards footwork um, into contact. I think that was that was something that stood out the most. I think as well, we actually varied a lot off the line out. You know, we didn't we, you know, there were times maybe we were 22 meters right from the line and, and rather than maul it, we we'd hit 12 and hit like a strike play. Um, a bit like uh, Jack, though, I suppose the criticism I would have is, and this is something Shane Williams, who I thought was really good on comms, pointed out, was our defending on the edge. You know, we are a side that defends really narrow on the edge. And I, I'm sure we'll talk about him at length in a bit. But um, there was the Owen Lane's first try. Or sorry, I think it was Owen Lane's second try. And it was where Ray Lalo makes a break on the outside. Um, Stockdale shoots up. Um, I think Hume's with him as well. So credit, you know, he he beats two guys, and then Laurie has to try and like make that last ditch tackle on the outside. And by then, Lilo's given what is a ridiculous offload. I actually remember him a few years ago. Him and Halaholo absolutely tearing Ulster up at Ravenhill. So I think on a whole, I would probably give the game eight out of ten as a performance. And I think if you take the block. Um, together, getting ten points from from those three games is probably about par, um, but we're certainly trending upwards. Is is the very long answer to that question? No, I, I appreciate that detail, and uh, no, I think you're right. Uh, we seem at this point in the season, we seem to be on the right trajectory as we hit the important games at the end of the season. But we've only heard from Ulster fans so far, and we might be completely biased. We we see things with rose tinted glasses. 
we're happy two weeks in a row confidence is high nathan bring us back down to earth <laughs> what does that uh, win mean where it'll stir in the context of this season do you, it's potentially tricky going over to cardiff um playing on a different surface i'm not a fan of those types of pitches but that's a, a podcast for another day um are Ulster back on track, or is this the familiar pattern we've seen before of beating teams who are perhaps weaker and and struggling and and then shrinking in the in the big games? I think it's Ulster doing what 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 Ulster are expected to do, right? I mean, you know, that's like you said, that's that's a card of side that you know that form this season at times this season aside, that Ulster you know nine times out of ten should be beating comfortably. Um, it's it's so that makes it difficult to kind of make any grand sweeping statements about Ulster either either being back or or just you know beating irrelevant teams. I don't think you can really take that much from the game other than Ulster just did what they needed to do to to, to what are they are the five points off off the Stormers um, for in spec, who are in second above them with three games to go. So it's it's they did what they needed to do. It's it's a tricky run in. Uh, because it helps that well, Ulster have got three home games left now, don't they, in, in the league? Um, one of one of which is just before Europe, when they when the Bulls come to town and the Bulls are travelling to Toulouse, and then obviously Ulster are going out to Dublin the week after that. So that's going to be really interesting to see how those two sides kind of treat that week. Do they do they blood in some do, do Ulster blood in Six Nations players or do they rest guys for Leinster? Likewise, how seriously are, are the Bulls taking Europe? So it's an interesting one, and then. You know they probably need Munster to go down to South Africa and do them a favor against the Stormers at some point in the season. So they're still probably slightly behind the eight ball, aren't they, in terms of getting that second spot? Um, but they did what they needed to do, and I, I don't think we necessarily learned a lot other than you know Ulster are where they are. They're you know in, in, towards the top of the chasing pack at the at the top of the league. Yeah, absolutely, and and it gets um, you can only beat what's put in front of you to to use a sporting cliche, and and they certainly did that. It was pretty convincing. Does it answer any questions? As you say, probably not uh, about uh, Ulster being tested at the top level, but um, certainly they did what they had to, got the bonus point win. But um, just to turn now and look a bit at the selection, we're always interested in talking about uh, how the squad is used and um, there's debate every week and that's part of the fun of rugby, obviously sort of going, oh, he should be in or he shouldn't be in. Uh, in terms of the Cardiff game, though, Jack, if, if you look at that, and we sort of knew that they planned this um, with being away in South Africa, coming back, maybe resting a few guys and um, bringing a few guys in for this game. How well has Dan managed the squad over the past couple of weeks, do you think? Yeah, I think he's done um, a pretty decent job of it. Um, you know, the guys that were... Um, rested for this game or sort of came in from either um staying in Belfast or coming up from from Dublin you could you could see they were the uh they were the kind of fresher more alert more kind of um just on it in terms of the game management so Doki and Burns were obviously probably the two best players on the pitch um which obviously helps when it's your 9 and 10 <laughs> directing stuff but you know um selection you got to say was spot on um obviously we were we were talking last week about how you know flannery went well so whether he would get another uh chance was 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 a possibility he did travel i did see him warming up down the other end and he was giving it some good 
some good beans there in the warm up. So obviously that's that's good to see. Just guys pushing on and 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 just you know being being there for the whole wider squad as it were. But you know, Hume had a good Hume had a good game. So you you, you got to say that you know the selection was was um was right up there. So so yeah, I mean, uh, great to see Marcus Ray back. Obviously we we're a bit of a we're a bit of team Marcus Ray on this podcast, and uh, you know with good reason because when he has games like that, you kind of wonder why he's not in the, in the squad um more often because he's not natural i think he's more natural seven than than timony um in terms of that kind of mold of an open side that you want so the balance of the back row is nice um really liked mccann by the way mccann is huge uh i saw him next to um just walking next to nick timony and that boy is massive uh so i was uh i was yeah i, I was great to see those guys sort of playing in the flesh and, and just watching them play and they were really just the thing is they were just they were just really high on confidence. I don't know how it came across on 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 TV, but guys were just absolutely flying into um in the contact and at the tackles and, and and Ray in particular he 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 shot out of the line and he was very it was pr- he was pretty much offside but you know it's that just you know I'm gonna take this opportunity and whatever's been said behind the behind the scenes if he's been asked to do something in particular then he must have he must have got a's across the um across the board because he was he was excellent so that selection was good and paid off because we're sitting here talking about a bonus point win and a fairly comfortable win um as we probably like nathan said probably should be expecting but it's good to see it just um good to see it just come off nicely yeah, no, absolutely. And we'll talk more specifically about some of the lesser spotted Ulster players shortly. But um I wanna I wanna talk more generally and again, Nathan, give us a bit of um perspective here in terms of Ulster's depth. So we have the luxury, I suppose, and not all teams have the luxury of rotating players in, leaving quality players out every week. Now I know uh Leinster do, and that's that's sort of your team, but in terms of Ulster, where do we stand in relation to the other URC sides in terms of depth? Uh, do you think there's quality of depth there in that in most positions? Yeah, I think well, depth enough to to do what was done and, and rotate heavily and, and beat beat what was the Sharks and then and then definitely definitely to beat Cardiff. I mean, we all know that the the depth situations in Welsh rugby and how they're only going to get even worse over the next couple of months. Uh, so, so, yeah, no, I think there's there's, there's no disparaging Ulster's depth. And it, it, it all depends on that. Like, you kind of hinted at it in the question. It all depends on that, that frame of reference. Like, who, who are you comparing it to? Are you are you comparing it to uh, the, the chasing pack and who, who Ulster are competing with for, for second and third in, in the table? Or are you competing it with with top of the table and and then and then the other teams in Europe and not in that realm? I think... You know the, the the answer to that question is obviously is obviously very different, but it's just in terms of what we've seen over the last few weeks. Like I, I've I've been banging this drum for a while now. I think Stuart Moore is absolutely class. I think I think his his best position actually is probably twelve, but he's not going to play twelve in big matches for Ulster, is he? For obvious reasons. Um. So I think you know when that that's an area of depth. Getting him into that back line in a position where he gets his hands on the ball is is really important. The the front row depth looks really good. Obviously. Um. Uh, Tom O'Toole will probably come back and sit on the bench for whatever reason, but he's been tearing it up with Ireland, so he's got to come back in there. You know, Tumang Allen's a pretty good depth option for for URC games, isn't he? Um, so yeah, there, there's a lot of positions where the depth is is good. Ulster's backline depth is always really good. Um, you know, probably a few areas where you look at it and go, is it is it is the depth? It, the question is always, are you're two or three injuries away from 
losing out massively are, are, are in certain positions, I think. And, you know, if, if Ulster lose someone like a Henderson uh, for who he gets injured against Scotland next week and can't play against Leinster, where does that leave Ulster? Whereas I think, you know, the positions, particularly in the back line and centres, um, you know, they could, like, you know, Ulster could lose to McCluskey and still be really competitive, I think. Um, not so much the case in, in other positions. Um, thinking second row, maybe back row, not quite sure. Harry Sharon's come in and done a lot of good work there. So it's, you know, it's, it's an interesting one, but it depends who you're comparing it to, doesn't it? Well, that's it. Uh, and look, it is exciting to see um, a lot of a lot of young guys coming in. You mentioned Sheridan, and even depth, uh, uh, depth in other positions. Um, I'm thinking Tamaga Allen has been a bit of a, a revelation. I think the jury was definitely still out uh, in his first couple of months with Ulster, and you're thinking, I mean, he, he got injured and he was out for a long time, and we were really down to the bare bones for a while in, in our in our stocks of props. Callum Reid coming back in as well. Again, I'll not steal anyone's thunder here, but because we're going to talk about a few of those guys in a second. But I want to turn to Simon now. Who were the Ulster players who stood out to you in that game? Um, thanks, Peter. I think this is always hard because Jack usually names nearly the full team. So this week, <laughs> I, which isn't a bad thing because I, I think we like context of who we, who we were playing. No, no, it's good. It's good. But I'm, <laughs> I'm going to try and obviously na- not name some of those. But it's kind of hard to to skim over all of them. So, yeah, as as Nathan says, Stuart Moore, I think he's our player of the season so far. Um, I think he reminds me a lot of Stuart Olding and in some of the lines that he runs. He had sixty nine meters for the night, which was uh, the most. And yeah, I think he is a natural twelve, but it's that thing of, I think he could Dan trust him anywhere in the back line, bar nine to ten, which I think just shows how much he's come on and. I would say, like in terms of if you were to pick our best fifteen, I wouldn't say he could play anywhere. But as long as he's in it, I would be happy. So, so that would be one for me. I think, um, if you're sort of looking at that wider Ireland sphere, I think Treadwell did everything he could. Say Herring or say Henderson were to get injured in Ireland camp, um, the loose head, which I'm sure you're all aware of on Twitter, put up some good clips of the game, and um, one was a David McCann lineout still on thirty minutes. And it's how far in the air Treadwell was able to launch him. I was just like, there's just little things like that. I imagine he might have been told to work on. I know I mentioned it earlier his his footwork into contact. I just think again, he, he's he's one of those those players that as soon as you see his name on the on the team list, you feel that bit better. Um, again, everyone always mentions him, but how can you not mention Tom Stewart? Two tries off the bench, and I think. His point of difference is definitely how good he is in the loose. I think that first try, you could say, okay, I think any any hooker at the back of that could score that. But the second one, he was so patient. And there was that secondary breakaway um, that he he pretty much set up himself. So I suppose those two. Um, but you'd be remiss not to mention um, Nathan Doak. I think his goal kicking, which has been pretty poor this season was superb uh one touchline conversion in particular sticks out and then billy burns again i think part of that comes into the 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 rock speed and and the armchair ride he was given bar forwards but he had a great game and i think he's he's the kind of player when he's playing really well it, it's hard not to like him you know the, the sticking out of the tongue that type of thing you know there's the jinky run you know he he's a really good player to watch um, so I suppose those would be the the three or four real standouts um, from yeah. my side. 
Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's, I think you've nailed it there. I think those are the, the guys who are the, the obvious ones. Nathan, do you want to jump in there? Yeah, sorry, just because I, I not not to harp on the same point again, but just you, I was thinking there while you were going on about Stuart Moore, like, and, and every, there's just this assumption, isn't there, that he, okay, he's not going to play because, you know, McCluskey will come back, he's playing well for Ireland. Uh, Hume will probably play 13, Larry play 15, and then, you know, more, more is wasted wasted on the wing. But like, I think there's a serious argument in terms of systems. Like, Stu McCluskey's gone off and played well with Ireland, I think, because he's in a system where he's always on Sexton's hip as a front ball option and he has to be respected because he's six foot, whatever he is, and he's massive, right? And he's a big option, so he creates holes for others and the second anyone doesn't look at him properly, he goes off through a crash ball. Like, he doesn't necessarily have to do the first phase crash ball as much with Ireland as he does with, with Ulster. Um, and with Ulster, he can get held up a little bit in contact on first phase because he carries too high. So I actually think, I, I, this is a question, and I and I don't know how, off, what, how wide of the mark I am, but I actually think if you look at April the 1st in the Aviva, as somebody watching it, not as a Leinster fan, because once you start working in this industry, you're not a fan anymore, but uh, as somebody with, with a Leinster background, I'd almost be more worried about playing an Ulster side with Stuart Moore at 12, because I think I look at what Ulster, how Ulster use McCluskey, and they're going to use him a lot, crash ball. Now, he doesn't just do that, obviously, but he does a little bit more of that with Ulster than Ireland, you know, running down. He's going to be running down Robbie Henshaw's channel all day, and historically, Henshaw shuts McCluskey down really well. Whereas I think Stuart Moore in the 12, in that game, just would challenge Leinster's fringe defence where, you know, they'll have someone like James Lowe and Jordan Lamar out there so much more. So I don't know. I, I, I personally would think, and I think that's, a, that's the question, is, is there an argument for as much as McCluskey is an excellent 12 in terms of that actual game and the matchups, I would be more worried about uh, Hume, uh, a Hume-Moore centre partnership than McCluskey-Hume because I just think Leinster are better equipped to deal with big boys at 12 than than just constantly going wide, wide with more. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Sam. Sorry, Sam. I think there's there's a lot of debates like that. And I, I think with with the sort of Moore thing, it's it's not that he's an unknown quantity, but as you say, you know exactly what you get with McCloskey. And would he maybe be better as as like how Ireland have used Bundyaki in the Six Nations and, and bring him off the bench? And I think I think it would be naive to expect both teams to be able to pick the best 23 that's available right now, you know, because there is still two tough games in the Six Nations for Leinster to come through. And I, I don't think they're able, they're going to be able to pick from that, you know, that compliment anyway. Um, Ulster less so. I, th- I think obviously we'll probably have nearly a full deck to pick from barring any injuries in the last two Six Nations games from the guys that are there. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think that would, that personally would be my would be my preference. You would go Mur twelve, Human thirteen. Um, McCloskey has played a lot of minutes, um, and off the bench he still he still offers a hell of a lot. But it's just to beat Leinster away from home is is tough in itself. And I think Dan's made enough sort of unpredictable calls this season that it, I, I I would respect him for having the having the guts to to go with something like that in the centres. Yeah. The, the, the one argument against it, I guess, is, is defensively, isn't it? Just from a pure size point of view. But I mean, again, Le- Leinster don't send Henshaw massively. He carries a lot on first phase, but he's not the most destructive ball carrying 12 off first phase. He's kind of more of an all-rounder. Um, the one thing that Leinster probably would do is they just they picked Doris at eight and they'd send him down Moore's channel. A lot of people who play or used to play rugby listen to this podcast. 
If you're struggling with an injury, lack of mobility, or some form of pain that you've just got used to living with, then you need to get it sorted. Back to Better Physiotherapy is a physio practice I highly recommend. The practice owner, John Quigg, is extremely experienced. He's worked with professional sports teams such as Ulster Rugby and Middlesbrough Football Club. Back to Better provide physiotherapy, massage treatment, personal training and rehab. They also have an ice bath and sauna in-house, which are fantastic for recovery and health. They're located at the Building Box Gym in East Belfast. Book using Instagram at Back to Better Physiotherapy or type their number in your phone now. 075 685 That's 075 685 Get in touch with them and get your aches and pains sorted. William Carlyle Coaching. Helping yo-yo dieters stop living their life on a diet and achieve long-lasting fat loss results. We've helped hundreds of dieters ditch the strict, boring and bland diets whilst losing 15 pounds minimum in 90 days. This is all done with the Fit for Life Transformation Programme. It's the counterintuitive approach to weight loss and will change your life forever. If you want to know more, grab your phone or pen and paper to write down my social accounts. On Instagram, it's at William Carlyle Coaching. On Facebook, it's just William Carlyle. If you'd be interested in learning more, drop me a message and let's chat. All day. That's the one worry I think you'd have for that. But apart from that, I think if you're playing against, you know, if Ulster win and gets a game against La Rochelle and if he's faced someone like Jonathan Dante who's running down Moore's channel, then I'd say you pick McCluskey 100%. But I just think, yeah, just the way Leinster play, and the personnel that they have, um, it, I just think it's an interesting one. You know, they're not going to just be sticking it up the jumper and sending massive runners down 12 all day. Um, and Ulster could th- could really threaten them out wise if they had an extra ball player in that back line. Yeah, I've changed my mind about three times in the course of this conversation. And it hadn't really, yeah. occurred, <laughs> hadn't really occurred to me uh, that McCloskey wouldn't be in our strongest 15. But it sounds insane. I, I, I think as a player he is. I just think in that individual game, there's an argument for it. That's all. I, I don't think there's any it's question because he's the best player. Yeah, it's how they all get used, isn't it? And, and we've seen that if if McCluskey gets, you know, in broken play, McCluskey's more more dangerous because you don't know who's lining up against him. First phase, you just put Doris and Henshaw right in the channel and they're going to drop him down. With the Moore thing, though, it's interesting if they go for either him or Lowry at 15, I imagine, will be... If he's going to play, that's where he's going to go. He won't go because hopefully Balakun's I'd back. Him, I'd pick him in a heartbeat over Lowry right now. Well, that's the thing. I would have I would have agreed with you. And then I saw Lowry at the weekend and he looked back to close to his best yeah. and he was had a real zip. And the thing, the whole... Well, the whole... I, I, don't, I don't think he's a 10. I think he's a full-on 15 now. But the thing is, you could just stick him in the 22... Um, you know, 22 jersey for, for Leinster. And then you just have that, you know, okay, Mike, come on and just, you know, play your usual game, but just play it at 10, you know, just kind of run mad and, and see what see what happens. Or, you know, you have Billy there who's a bit more structured and you know, a bit more process man. But um, yeah, I, I, I can definitely see Moore going, coming in at, at, at 15 because that gives you then just more ball playing options than, 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 than Larry because Larry is a little bit more individual uh makes a lot of meters makes a lot of breaks so um yeah kind of he's talking me into uh, talking me into a mirror inclusion either he's larry's there for the teams to kick poorly right he's, he's yeah. there for that 
that that's kick return. I mean, before anyone labels me insane, I don't think it's going to happen. I think McCluskey 100% start if he's fit starts that game against Leicester. I don't think there's any question of it. Yeah, I, think I just think it's interesting, isn't it? And you hinted at it there. There's probably a topic for another day. How are Ulster players used differently with Ireland? And sometimes you see them a little bit more effective. Like I think McCluskey has been yeah. far more effective for Ireland in the Six Nations than probably he's been in a long time. Um, although he, you know, he's still been good for Ulster. That's harsh. But like we've had the conversation with Balakoon as well. But, yeah. So I, don't I know. think the, the 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 thing with Stu is Stuart needs to Stuart needs to. I mean, we've seen it with Ireland, thankfully though. But he needs to pass the ball more so that he becomes more of a threat himself. Because if he just well, I, passes, I think it's, it's, if he, if he it's, carries, it's, then he's it's, not going to. It's the fact that it's coming. It's, he, he's the threat's coming from Sexton rather than than nine. I think exactly. not, nine nine twelve crash right. There's the big crash chopping because yeah. because Cooney's the general. But all of a sudden, when you've got that extra option of okay, the ball's going to Sexton all the time. You know, there's just less attention on him purely. Um, and also, I mean, he actually as as good as he's been. Like you said, it's it's actually the broken field stuff which Ireland love now, which is great, and that suits him. Which is kind of a oxymoron because the big lads. Who's a big crash ball 12 shouldn't love the broken field stuff, but that's what, like you said, like the best 27 minutes of his international career against South Africa were when he was cleaning up scraps, right? So. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, but, um, no, it's a good one. It's, it's certainly an interesting debate. I think, um, we need to consider as well, um. Nathan claims not to be a Leinster fan, but he could be a double agent trying to plant these ideas. Uh, <laughs> he knows he knows no McCluskey will weak in Ulster. No, we do, we, I, I, I think it's interesting. I think Lowry, uh, look, he's been out of form. Uh, and something I'm going to ask in a minute is, is about sort of guys who have maybe been off the boil for a bit, but are, are coming back into it. I think the uh, the artificial surface really helped Lowry because uh, guys who are jinky and quick, Shane Williams before the game was saying he loves those surfaces. Farris was saying he hates them because he's historically had lots of issues with joints and things like that. But uh, it's interesting the contrast. Um, and one of the guys that we need to spend a wee bit more time discussing, I think, is Jacob Stockdale. And we've seen glimpses of what he can do. I have to say, at times this season, he seemed like a bit of a shadow of his former self. Do you think, uh, and I'll direct this one at Nathan, do you think we'll ever get back to peak Stockdale. We saw that stock chip and it just brought us all back, I think, momentarily to sort of that classic Stockdale, I'm going to call him. Um, do you think he's one of those guys who will return after this injury to being what he once was? Or do you think he's someone who burns brightly but for a short period of time? So I've realised I dominated the McCluskey conversation, so I'll be quick. Um I think he's again. I think yeah. I think he's someone who's going to play better if he ever gets into an Ireland shirt. I, I just think the Ireland system suits him better. They'll get him involved more. They'll get him involved in broken field more. They get him. They'll get him running up props in front row and second row forwards more playing for Ireland than he does than he does for Ulster. It's just a question of will he ever get picked for to start for Ireland when it's low and probably lowest position he's after, isn't it? Uh, he probably needs an injury, doesn't he? Uh, look, it's brilliant. The chip and chase is the highlights. Uh, you know, like they said peak what Twickenham in 2018 isn't it uh so that's the memory that is going to be at the front of your mind and everyone's going to get really excited about i mean i think Simon mentioned it earlier didn't he like he actually had a pretty 
suspect performance defensively, didn't he, for that for that first Cardiff try? That was a pretty pretty poor missed tackle. A good read because he hit my came up out of the I was going to say, yeah, he, he read it well, but it was actually just the completion of the tackle. He was like, I think he might have been surprised that he actually hit him, but yeah. <laughs> Lilo just tossed him off. <laughs> That's actually I think, brilliant. I didn't yeah. think about that. It's almost as if like, oh, oh, oh God, I've actually managed to get this yeah, right here. Um, it's, kind of, it's kind of Jacob though, isn't it? It's very much like, oh, yes, I made a great read. And then you missed the tackle. It's like, oh, crap. He's such a he's such a confidence player though, because I think after that try you could see him puff out his chest and he just he made ten meters on the next carry. But it's like, yeah, that there yeah. are there there's still issues there and I think they are just they've always been there and I, I think everyone knows what they are, but you could see how enthusiastic he is. You you want him to do well. Um it's just I just think there's there's so many good guys ahead of him it, from a, from an Ireland perspective. I struggle to see a way that he's back in in time for the World Cup, but look, I think he's we're not, all. We're... He's, he's not a million miles away. Like who who else is playing that left left wing slot uh, if J if J Lo goes down? Balakun is yeah, the right yeah, wing. Yeah, or, or, yeah. Like they they they've thrown Earls in there sometimes, but because like the man. He, he... <laughs> But he hasn't played. I mean, you know, yeah, Larmer's, I, a, Larmer's a right wing. It's going to be the big-bodied left-boot lad who comes in off his wing, which Stockdale sometimes does, but he doesn't do it enough because the system doesn't suit it. And the other thing about playing for Ireland, like you hit the nail on the head there of confidence. This Ireland team, whatever about whether, whether they're winning or losing games, Farrell has got their headspace more right, way more than any other coach has in, in world rugby right now. I mean, in comparisons between 2019, when they were all scared to look at Joe Schmidt in the corridors of Ireland camp, to now when two lads get injured on the opening morning of the Six Nations and everyone's just like, oh yeah, bring it on, bring on the challenge. Like the mental <laughs> the state of things in that squad is amazing. And I think, again, if Jacob gets in that environment regularly and gets his chest puffed out a bit more, he does really well. But the, like, but the problem is, is he going to display slow unless there's an injury right now? No, probably not. Mm. Yeah, it's good, it's good you said though about him com- being confident because I think it was a real surprise surprise pick for him to get into the Six Nations so I, I completely trust what Farrell's doing and I, I do hope he he does make that World Cup squad I think the only thing maybe going against him is just the fact that he hasn't had minutes in the Six Nations but I think so much of that just comes down to how well James Lowe's playing you know he's for me he's the first name on, on that Ireland team sheet and um, it's easy to see why you know and they are very similar players I get that Arguably, Peter, I'm just thinking we're going to need we're going to need an entirely uh, new separate podcast just to talk about Jacob Stockdale. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. we we've, been, we, we've been saying for weeks though he's not far away. We I, have, you know, we we've been banging the drum whenever there was that game where he was getting jeered by his own fans for dropping the ball, and then the ironic cheers when he finally caught it. Like we were sticking, <laughs> yeah. we were sticking by him. We were saying, look, look what he's doing on the ball. He's yeah. he's making. He's, He's not making tacklers miss, but he's breaking the game line and he's close to line breaks every single carry. Um, now, look, he finally got the try, which means it's easy to say he's back in form. How well did he actually play on the weekends? It's up for debate. But I, I, I still think he's not a million miles away and I think he's the second choice left wing uh, if, if Lowe goes down for Ireland. So I, I really, really do. And I think that's why he was in that squad. He's, he's not there. The problem is they're going to release him every week because he's not going to play 23 because they'll pick Jimmy O'Brien or, or Bundy. For that, yeah. for that, for that jersey. Correct. Yeah, it's just sort quickly, of. A... Before we before we move on, Peter, I just want to say on the second, if you watch the um the second uh, misread that that Jacob uh, makes on the in the Cardiff game, if you just if you, if anyone goes back and watches the game, um, look at Jared Evans, um, sort of his eyes and his and his hands. He does the little double pump 
and Jacob just absolutely buys it. Here's your receipt, pal, and then slings the ball out, and your man just scoops in. And then I think Dan Dan McFarland's just thinking, okay, Jacob, that's that's enough for today. You've done your you've done your bit. You know, you wanted your intercept try as well. That would have completed the performance, I think, but um just got a bit too overeager and a little bit sort of excited. So yeah, that's the that's the that's the old Jacob though. Uh, is is going for stuff like that, so yeah, he keeps going. It's Farrell been a... would have loved him doing that, though. Farrell would have absolutely loved it. Him doing that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, go for it, mate. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that, I think I think Andy Farrell is the perfect coach for for Jacob Stockdale mentally. It's just like he said, can he actually get in? Totally. I know it's it's interesting. It's a roller coaster watching and uh, watching Jacob Stockdale's career unfold because at one stage, arguably, he's one of the best wingers in the world to uh, I would say only a few months ago you're saying he shouldn't be playing for Ulster do you know and then now we're talking about he's he's second choice potentially for the for the number one team in the world currently so look it's uh <laughs> he's packed a lot in in a relatively short time span <laughs> in fairness to him but uh in terms of um other guys other young guys and prospects coming through in the same way that, that Stockdale did at Ulster local guys the likes of Dave McCann superstar at Ireland under 20 level uh coming through Marcus Ray Callum Reid Jude Postlewit um unfortunately several uh people in that lineup but um, <laughs> <laughs> I just realized that I was just reading them out most of them are but um, Jack, how did those guys get on? Just briefly, any opinions uh, on what you've seen of them so far, and on are they the real deal? And I think, in particularly, Postlewaite, you got the same in the flesh there, albeit fairly briefly. But um, the likes of Dave McCann, we haven't seen much. I expect that I have to say McCann to to play a much bigger role this season. You've alluded to the fact he's now massive, which is always a bonus. But yeah. t- tell us a bit more about those guys. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I sort of mentioned McCann. He was also um, incredibly dynamic as well. And the the six um, the six jersey is is definitely well. The eight jersey is definitely up for um, next season, I think, for him. So, really, really happy to see him just playing well. He looked really confident again. He's one of those guys who was just on it and was just going to use some nice footwork. And like like Simon says, we looked really, really on it. Marcus Ray just looked like he, you know, was like a dog with a bone and he was just like, all right, this is my first opportunity in months. I'm going to absolutely rip this up and just go for it. And he did. Callum Reid came on and was very, I thought he was just very smart, came on and did what he needed to do, you know, play to his strengths, good bit of footwork before contact, but also just doing what he needed to do, you know, job done. But yeah, Postlethwaite is, uh, he looks um, phenomenal, really. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to go in with the hyperbole early with, uh, with Big Jude, but he, he looks, he looks really, really uh, just Frightening, really. He came on, and again, I was surprised, just shocked by how big he was. He came on for Hume, I think, didn't he? And then I think Murrow went to Murrow went to thirteen, and he played twelve. But he just came on, and he just thought he was just like, "Yeah, give me the ball, and I'm just gonna absolutely smash some fellas." And he just he was class. He just came on, threw a couple of offloads in the first two minutes, and um, was just excellent. I mean, there was there was a few misreads in uh, in defence, but you know what. You know that's why you bring these guys on for uh for like um you know 20 odd minutes at the end when the game is pretty much done um and just you know go on 
you know, play your game, you know, just 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 have have fun, really. And that's like that's what he looked like he was doing. He was just having fun. But uh unfortunately the best part of his um display ended up with a card of try, I think. So uh not that it was his fault, but um Stuart Mirror three interception was the only bad part bad part of his game. But um those guys were great. And I'm really excited about the back row um, going forward because we've got the likes of McCann, Ray, Timoney and others who can play back row, Sheridan included in that. Um, and they are, yeah, they look they look excellent. They look like they could really, you know, play um, certainly this, you know, URC level and whether or not we know we've seen Marcus Ray play a fair bit in the Champions Cup, whether they can go on and, and, and kick on and play a little bit more in the Champions Cup, then you you know you're you're in the reckoning for an Ireland call up then. So you just have to you just have to play well. And I think they've got the physical attributes and all that kind of carry on. So it's just about getting the the fundamentals in there. And I think that, you know, if Fossil's weight can be a good um good defensive twelve or thirteen, you know, you could have you could have Jude and a Stuart Moore center and you could also have McCloskey and, and Hume. So it's it's good problems to have coming up to, you know, for next season. So um, I'm gonna say yeah. sky's the limit right now because they're young, they're hungry, they're they're good pros. We've heard a lot about you know how 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 well the the young Ulster sort of guys coming through are. So uh, whatever they're doing at Inst, they're they're clearly uh, doing a good job. So uh, keep that's up. it. Uh, that's it. I think I think a lot of those guys are are pretty tight with Dan Super. I think he has a real affinity as as former Inst coach. Uh, that's right. With, with those guys, and it's it's a good appointment in that sense because you want to keep all those guys on board with. Uh, with someone like Super, who's there, and by all accounts, Super is very popular in the squad, and um, uh, and that that will form those guys potentially form a real core of the of the of the team, you know, in in the next few years. So, um, great to see, and I think as we I, I talked about earlier, genuine depth. I mean, it's all right to have forty five players in a squad, but whenever. Uh, whenever you, you have a couple of injuries, how much does the quality decrease? And that's that's absolutely key. Uh, and uh, on the evidence of that, the likes of, as you say, McCann and Sheridan, both both in, waiting in the wings to step in in the back row, um, which is, I, I think, Sheridan in particular has been a revelation this season. Um, and the, the jury's still out in those guys, but as you say, very promising. And um, just to finish us off here, uh, this is a question for whoever wants to jump in, really. Um, do you think Ulster can finish in second place in the URC? And we'll combine it um, with the next one as well. And do we think that we can beat Ulster in the knockout stages at their place? And this is a test, by the way, of who's who's a fan, who's not a fan. Nathan, you've held your hands up and said you're not a fan <laughs> of any team in particular. You have to remain biased, as, uh, unbiased as part of your job. But guys, what do you think? Uh, we've got this. This is not a bad time to assess the end of the season. A bit of a break. We look ahead. Do you think we can uh, get that second place? And do you think we can beat Leinster? I, I'll i be brave here. I think you need to be realistic. And I think it would be naive to think we could fight on both fronts. So I, I don't think this will change selection decisions in any way. But I think me and the X amount of thousand Ulster fans going to Dublin on the 1st of April, in, in one way, I think you know that it's very unlikely that we're going to win. I know that's slightly defeatist, but I would be wanting to not 
just let's solely focus on the league. But I think let's be realistic. I think there's a good chance Leinster will beat Stormers and we could catch them in second and get a home route all the way through to the final to potentially play Leinster again. But that would be progress in terms of the league. I think you look you look at the Leinster result against Edinburgh last weekend and even their be arguably C team is pretty good. And I think even the selection decisions we've talked about going slightly left field to try and beat them, I think it's it's very difficult to see us win that game. So I would say yes, we definitely can't finish second place in the league. Yeah, I think I think a bit like what um what Simon just said, we, we can definitely finish um second in the league, but obviously it is out of our hands. So um it could be Actually, it could come down to points difference, or it could just come down to a couple of bonus points, depending on how they get on down in Dublin. Um, so th- it's it's definitely you know if they if they lose two games and we win all three, then obviously that's 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 um that's us in to second. Um, and you know what? I'm just going to come out and say it. I reckon we can. I reckon we can beat Leinster. So if we just, you know. I know that it's a bit of PTSD for everyone for the the game back in uh, was it early December when when we when we pitched in in that second half, but um, I just I don't I don't know I just have a feeling I just have a feeling like you know that's going to be a little bit of an extra kind of fuel to to just go at this game. I can see. I can just see areas where you know if if we can you know if we can if we can play the way that we know we can and i know that that's kind of um you know ludicrous and we haven't really um shown it for for the majority of this middle half of the season but i just reckon emotionally it's going to be right up there and uh you know i'm i'm getting excited at it just just thinking about you know this this big this big you know um knockout game in dublin you know last time it was 2019 i think um in the aviva and uh i don't actually i don't actually i got missed i missed missed watching that game but um i watched it back and it was just it just looked seemed absolutely incredible so i just think you know six nations will be done and dusted maybe you know there's a couple of leinster boys who need managing for the for the week after on the 25th of march comes around to April, you know, just getting back into the Leinster system. Who knows? Anything can happen. But I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say we we just about managed to pull off a bit of a shock and uh and just uh just to stick it up to the boys in in Dublin. You you know? Love it, Jack. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely love it. And Nathan, I'm sure you agree with that uh, assessment. Yeah, I'll I'll stick to the league first <laughs> just to be <laughs> Diplomatic. Uh, no, 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 because in all stages, no, only because I've got the fixtures in front of me here. Uh, it's actually fascinating because uh, that Leinster Stormers game is the week before. Obviously, Ulster need Leinster to do them a favour there. Uh, what do Leinster do? Uh, they probably give everyone the week off. Uh, well, not everyone. The guys like Ryan Baird and Conan will probably play, but they'll give the Ireland, most of the Ireland starters that week off so they'll be fresh. Whereas I don't think Ulster probably don't have that luxury. I know it's only the dragons. That, no, who? No, Ulster haven't got the dragons this that weekend. Who have they got? The uh, Bulls, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. So I don't think Ulster have that luxury of being able to because no. you know, they need to win three games. So that's going to be a factor. Look, I think freshness and match minutes in games like that when adrenaline takes over can be overplayed. But if it's tight and one percenters and all that, um, 
and I, and to be honest with you, I think I, I think Munster will go down to 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 Cape Town and beat the Stormers because that's fifteenth of April, and I think Munster will be out of Europe by then. They won't beat the Sharks away in in Europe in the last sixteen, so Munster will be full in on the league, and I think they'll beat the Stormers. So I think Ulster will come second because I think Leinster and Munster will both beat the Stormers, so Ulster should be fine. In terms of that game, Furlong's back now, Henshaw's back now, and then Jason Jenkins is back now. Those are the three players. I think, well, actually, honestly, Leinster could survive without Henshaw. It's Furlong and Jenkins. And Jenkins obviously won that game for Leinster back in October in Belfast, was it? I can't in remember Belfast, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe yeah. it was. Um, and the other thing about this Leinster team is, you know, if Ulster do what they did back in 2018 and throw a few punches, uh, I, I don't think they'll capitulate. I think they've all been in that Andy Farrell mindset of, we love it when things go wrong because we get the show. <laughs> yeah. Like, they, they love that, don't they? So, um, I think you know Ulster do what they did in, in the RDS and Larry Tabase out to lead. I still think Leinster pulled them in. Um, and also, I think it's been a while. I know that was a significant scoreline there, uh, but it was still a competitive game for the most part. I think it's been a while since Leinster have had like a statement win against Ulster, and I think they'll they'll be so so keen to kind of put that right and not just beat Ulster but beat them well. And key guys are coming fit. Obviously, we don't know who's going to survive the last two Six Nations games, but. Yeah, I would struggle to see um, any complacency or tight head prop slash lock issues costing Leinster because mm-hmm. those issues, those in theory, those issues shouldn't be there. But who okay, it's it's going to be a great occasion. I love that it's a five o'clock kickoff because evening games are always way better. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting. Let's 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 check in again in two weeks' time when we know who's injured after the Six Nations. <laughs> I can't wait. I, th- I think just talking about it now, I'm really excited for the game going down. You're going down, Jack. Uh, Simon, are you still with us? Yeah, yeah, I'm going down as well. Yeah. Are you heading down as well? Perfect. So, look, uh, you're outnumbered, Nathan, in this podcast anyway. And uh, like, I think, I think we'll he do it. it. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He's a secret Ulster fan, uh, and certainly an honorary Ulster fan, given his involvement in this podcast. But look, I, I, I he's rolling his eyes, listener. He's his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, look, I think. Uh, same as you, Jack. I have a bit of a sneaking suspicion about this game. I, I just think there's a complacency that comes with um, Leinster arrogance. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I, I take your point. I, I take your point. I take your point, I Nathan. I, I think that. Um, I think. Look, everything on paper says Leinster. Leinster have a, have a stronger team, but. Uh, one thing we've learned is that Ulster are incredibly inconsistent and it works both ways. And they sort of suit the underdog uh, uh, title. So, fingers crossed, three games, Bulls, Dragons, Edinburgh, Leinster and Dublin on the 1st of April. Um, there's a gap in games now, but there's a few special pods lined up in the next few weeks. Um just want to say thanks to to Jack, Nathan, and Simon. Uh, Nathan, I, I wasn't accusing you of arrogance at all there. Whenever you predict uh, a Leinster win, but uh, I would love it. I'd absolutely love it if we if we beat Leinster on the first of April. And uh, and and thank you, Simon, as well. It's good to have you back on the pod. So thanks, thanks everyone for listening. Um, do me a favor if you do listen to this podcast, which is um, getting really good figures at the minute, but it could be bigger. So I want you to share the podcast with people um, and engage in social media. That'll, all that stuff helps as well. So thanks again, guys, and thanks, uh, thanks to Jack, Nathan, and Simon. Well, nice one.
Hello the Red Hand listeners, this is Jonathan Moore from SS Moore Sports in Belfast. We just stopped us at the front door of the City Hall onto Chester Street where we've been since 1950. We again, like most other years, carry a full range of the Ulster rugby product. We do hoodies, tees, polos, jackets, gilets, scarves, hats, luggage. We do adults and kids and that can be seen in store or online at ssmsports.co.uk. Hope to see you guys soon and don't forget, shop local. Imagine a place free from gravity. Imagine a place free from all external stimulation, where the only thing you can hear is your own heartbeat. A place where your physical and mental health can rest and recover, where you can reconnect with your whole self. That place is Hydroes. Come and join us. You can find us at www.hydro-ease.co.uk